Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. NFL offseason rolls on, but you get a little taste. 59 days out from the NFL draft. And the NFL Combine is underway from Indianapolis. So it's time to get to work. Ten more prospects coming up in just a bit here when I bring in my guys in just a few short minutes here. But again, as a reminder, if you like this content, if you're enjoying it these past few weeks, really these last couple months, we'd love for you to subscribe if you haven't already. We are live on Twitter, live on Facebook, and live on YouTube as well. I'm Bobby Trossett, and let's bring in the guys. Tonight's featured guest, Jake Luke. And Spencer Schultz from Baltimore Beatdown, of course. You know these guys. Go hit them up on Twitter. Spence can be found at Ravens for Dummies. And Jake can be found at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E, co-hosts of the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. You can find that on all platforms and specifically on YouTube as well. We've been wanting to do this for a while, guys. I decided I'd return the favor. You had me on not too long ago, so let's get to it. How you guys been? Bobby, what's going on, big dog? Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, I think we're both doing good, man. I think we're uh, excited to, uh, like you said, return the favor. We've been planning this for uh, for a couple weeks at this point, so it's good to uh, finally hop in here and, uh, and get this thing done, man. Excited. Here's what I have in store, and you guys are going to obviously help me out with this. We have 10 more prospects. Cole Jackson, of course, the Canadian guru, as I call him. Uh, I thought you were going to go with Canadian goose for a second with that first bill. <laughs> that would have worked. But we'll go with Guru. And uh, look, I think he's he's just crushing it right now, as are you guys. We covered 10 prospects last week. And if you haven't checked that out, go to the archives. We looked at five offensive linemen and five defensive linemen that the Ravens could be potentially targeting. And by the way, this isn't just right the 10 prospects that we're going to get into tonight. That's They're not just who the Ravens might go after at 14. We could see this potentially fall into them in later rounds, right? These are prospects that potentially – they could see in day two and three, right, guys? Yeah, that's how I uh, set mine up. I, I had some guy kind of within that 14 range that we're talking about as far as their first round pick. Then I had one or two guys that I think would be day two options. And then another guy that I'm looking at that's maybe more of a day three uh, or even undrafted type dude. So, Likewise, I think mine are mostly first round type guys. Uh, one sneaking in there, probably a, a fringe first round, second round. Don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for him to be around in that that 45, 46 range where the Ravens have their pick in the second round, but she's busting down some guys that we like. All right, so why don't we just, without further ado, get into this. If you have questions and you're tuning in live out there, just feel free to, to hop into the comment section. We'll address them throughout the broadcast. But we'll start with Jake's group, and, and it begins with Kenyon Green, the Texas A&M junior offensive tackle, 6'4", 325 pounds, two-time consensus All-American, and this tape right here is courtesy 
of Luke Carr. And, and Jake, you just take us through it here, what you think, and maybe even comment on the tape as well. Yeah, I think uh, he's – so pulling back the curtain a little bit, he's the first guy that I watched uh, of this draft process a couple months ago. And uh, he's a guy who – you talk about the Ravens, and obviously offensive line comes up as the number one need. But basically when I flipped on the tape, it was just fun to watch. And, like, you don't always get that with offensive linemen. I think the, the terminology that I kind of arrived on is he's a freaking combine harvester in the run game. You see him pulling here. You see him just getting his nose into, into guys and just – bullying them into the ground, pushing them into the turf, uh, even when he doesn't necessarily have to. Um, pass protection, I think, is maybe going to be the issue, as well as the fact that I think he probably projects best day one, at least, as a guard, and tackle is probably the need that you're mainly looking at with the Ravens. But I don't know, man. I think uh, if you're comfortable with Pat McCary, let's see you make uh, you know, some sort of pickup on the free agent market at tackle that's going to be maybe a little bit of a hedge against McCary. Uh, it could be a good sort of best player available fit and need thing to grab Kenyon Green in round one, maybe with a trade back or something like that. I think he's probably going to be more of a middle to the later first round type guy, but uh, just really fun to watch and, uh, uh, you know, one of my favorite prospects, I think. Carlos writes in, by the way, as you were analyzing uh, Kenyon, is sauce coming up. And don't you worry, Carlos, we're going to have sauce. I believe that's on your, Spenny, you got that, right? That's on your list. There we go. We'll be uh, getting that Sunday sauce. I guess that that Monday sauce, so to speak, more so. Sexiest pick in the entire draft. I'm not talking about his looks. I think he's just got it all going on right now, and there's a ton of buzz dude. about him. Yeah. He, he is a good-looking dude as well. All right, next up on Jake's list here, Arnold. And you got to help me out with the pronunciation on this one. Arnold, is it Epichetti? Yep, nailed it first try. Okay. Arnold Epichetti, the Penn State defensive end. We know the Ravens like Penn State. The Costa family shout-out. Loves Penn State as well. 6'3", 256-pound senior, a native of Cameroon. He spent his first three years at Temple before earning uh, first-year status status in State College last year. This one's courtesy of Bobby Skinner. What are our thoughts, Jake? Yeah, I, he's a guy who you mentioned Penn State. You mentioned the Odafe-Owe connection there. And I'd like him a, as kind of a compliment to Odafe Owe. I wrote down strong and stout as opposed to long and freaky. So you got an explosive first step, powerful getting off blocks. He's quick and he's twitchy, but he doesn't really have that elite bend that you talk about coming off the edge like a Von Miller or like an Owe in some respects. So I wrote down that I like the read and reactability, both when it comes to recognizing the pass and also where and when to make his move in the run game. So the comparison that I kind of made here, and I found it to be an interesting one, would be maybe like a Courtney Upshaw. And I think he was 2010 or 2011 where I could see him having some situational pass rush upside. But when he comes in uh, from day one, if you're going to slot him in there, he might fit better as a strong side run defender. Um, but the issue there is that he probably needs some room to grow in that department. But uh, either way, I think uh, he seems like a good kid, strong head on his shoulders. I like him a lot as a day two kind of second or third round pick type vibes. I think I saw a comparison to Josh Sweat, so obviously that's a little bit more of a uh, situational pass rush type uh, type pickup if it happens. But, uh, yeah, he's another guy that I'm very intrigued by. Quick aside for you, Spencer. John writes in, bigger need, just generally speaking for the Ravens right now. Uh, which side of the trenches? I'm going to go with offensive line. It's time to, to get that taken care of, to get it over with, you know, especially if the Ravens don't end up having Lamar Jackson extended by the time the season rolls around. You want to try and get him in a vacuum to – hopefully be able to see what he can truly do and how comfortable you are giving him, you know, a six year deal, a seven year deal, you know, more towards the Allen Mahomes type deals, but I think it's just time. Lamar wins an MVP when you have Orlando Brown 
Ronnie Stanley and Marshall Yonda. And we've seen him, you know, regress at parts during the middle of the season when he gets hit a lot. So uh, I think they need to win up front and score points. It's, it's going to be in a better spot all, overall in the playoffs when you can, you know, just compete by putting points on the board as opposed to expecting yourself to be able to lock teams down on the other side of the ball. So if I had to choose one or the other to be really addressed, I'd go offensive line. Glad you're with us tonight out there. If you're tuning in live, again, we're uh, going through 10 prospects that we've divvied up to potentially uh, be targets for the Ravens this upcoming April in the 2022 NFL Draft. Next on Jake's list is Kyle Hamilton, an order Dame Jr. He's a safety, 6'4", 219 pounds, a 2021 consensus All-American, a native of Greece, and these highlights are courtesy of the ACC Digital Network, and I believe there's sound here, so we'll just let it rip, guys. Sticks against the defense. Nice. Yeah, well, I, uh, I talked about picked up the pressure I from the middle linebacker. I first guy that I dropped in this class, right? This is a guy that I've been following for three years. So that's not and... right? um, I tell you what, hold, hold, will you hold that thought, and we'll let it we'll let it rip through, and then I'll have you come back in after. Yeah, sure. Sticks against the defense like this. Picked up the pressure from middle linebacker White. Downfield and Hamilton again. Coming over from that safety position and making the interception. First down. How about the All-American? He's on the far hash. He gets all the way to the opposite sideline. Look at the close. I mean, when the ball is in the air, he's on the near hash. Still has to go almost 20 yards to catch that football. Unbelievable. Look him turn on the Jets and track it. Never loses sight of the football. Knows where he's at on the field. Make sure he drags the toes. I can see why you picked him. Yeah, so I'll go off my script a little bit here. And what is what is the buzzword that has been bandied about by this front office right down to Ozzie Newsom from day one when Ed Reed walked out of the building? Range, rangy, right? This is a guy who I don't even I'm not even sure that he projects as a free safety in totality. But you look at a play like that, you look at the straight line speed, and you just look at the decisiveness, the playmaking ability, and the range to that point. And it all comes in one of the more interesting packages that you'll ever see from a He's got insane length and frame, insane length and like an insane frame for a safety. It doesn't detract from his speed at all, though, which I think is what makes him a super interesting player to a lot of people. Detracts from his quickness a little bit. That's like maybe his one on-field sort of weakness that you'll see, but I think his size actually helped makes him into even more of a weapon because his tackling, his striking is super consistent and he combines it really well with his speed to just come downhill and just destroy guys. He can flip his hips with really good fluidity. Fluidity. He can play well in coverage, plays the ball well. And ultimately what I think the Ravens would love about this guy the most is the head that he has on his shoulders. He's just apparently a really smart, really good kid. The only other knock I saw is that people, you know, maybe Notre Dame coaches wanted him to get into the weight room a little bit more. And I think, you know, that's probably a valid criticism, but I think given the fact that he's being reported as this high character guy, I think that's something that can be overcome pretty quickly when you get him into a John Harbaugh locker room. So I love this guy. I'm not sure he's going to be there when they're picking at 14, but he's a guy I'd even consider trading up for because we talk about this need at safety point that we've got uh, some some friends of the program tweeting at these uh, high profile uh, free agent superstars at safety. Um, this is a guy who, if you pick him, you, you Slot him in there for the next 10 plus years and you're good to go. I haven't seen those tweets. What are you talking about? Yeah. Shout out to, uh, <laughs> shout out to Ramey. Hopefully you're listening. <laughs> Spenny, what do you think of this? Seth writes in, what about the big time wide receiver from Alabama, Jamison Williams? If he slides the second round because of injury, we know that happened in a pretty, uh, 
you know, a, a big spot viewership wise towards the end of the season. What do you think of his, of his chances? I don't see him regardless of injury uh, getting to where the Ravens are in the second round, but if he does, I would imagine it's because that knee is in really bad shape uh, would be my first trepidation there. But ultimately if, if the Ravens wanted to take a little bit of a risk there on someone that did slide like that, then yeah, Jamison Williams is a, uh, above the rest of this draft class in terms of what he can do in tracking ability in deep range and speed and uh, has a little bit of length to him as well and just has intangibles has a natural feel for space and how to occupy a, a defense and set them up in terms of his route running stem and a guy that can win with pure speed at Alabama playing against the best of the best is going to be able to do that to a degree in the NFL as well so I think Jameson Williams is a intoxicating speed demon in this draft class Love the adjective. We are breaking down the top 10 prospects that uh, Jake and Spencer have kind of narrowed down for the Ravens, not necessarily at number 14 in April's upcoming NFL draft, but at some point within the first couple of days, let's continue with Jake's list here at number four in, in no order, right? But Andrew Booth, the Clemson Tiger, junior cornerback, six feet tall, 200 pounds, 2021 first team all ACC honor. Seems to be awfully gritty at the line of scrimmage, guys, from what I've seen in, in, in a little bit of tape that I've watched. Efficient in zone coverage. That rangy word that Jake was just using a little bit. Here he is. Deep in corner. Brent Venables, defense corner, said the biggest difference with this team, first thing with all these new faces, he said the depth, how about that? The depth in corner. Booth is a five-star, great length. It's six feet tall, goes up and knocks that ball away. And great timing on a ball that was thrown 50 yards. May have been a down year for Clemson, but certainly not for Booth. What do you like about him? So Ravens cornerbacks like to do two things. They like to get on Twitter and put really spicy takes out there, and they like to have attitude and swagger on the other side in Marcus Peters. That is Andrew Booth, the latter. Uh, the first thing that stands out to me is just the attitude. He's just, I, I don't know like what we're allowed to say as far as uh, uh, language on this program, so I'll just say he talks a lot of smack. He uh, he likes to get in guys' faces and let them know when he has uh, got the best of them, which is a lot of the time because he's sort of your prototypical cornerback from a physical profile standpoint he's got the right combo of speed and physicality good short area quickness you saw in that clip there the verticality he plays above the rim uses those uh those arms to kind of get in there and uh, make plays on the ball right at the end of the play flips his hips really well can click and close when the ball is coming up in front of him and uh yeah just short choppy steps really active arms and he's just he's a menace he's really tough for wideouts and short areas and uh you know it's still early in the process but definitely a crush of mine and uh, a guy, one of these guys that I'm talking about that I'd be very, very comfortable with at number 14 overall. Spence, as we kind of, you know, quick aside again, Wesley writes in here about Jordan Davis. We're not going to specifically get him, get to him tonight. Cole and I covered him at, at length last week, but I, I do want to give you a thought, an opportunity to give a thought on this guy, because obviously he's special and, and also very talked about as well. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, talk about maybe him not playing as many snaps and not having a uh, ton of, you know, pass rush ability in ways, but you got to number one, take into account that Georgia, you know, has a guy that I'm going to talk about Jermaine Johnson, who couldn't even find starter snaps there. And is probably going to be a first round pick. So that rotation was for a reason. I think if he played elsewhere, then he's playing more snaps ultimately. And he just brings enough length and straight bull rush to be able to affect the passer. But Jordan Davis is, is going to be one of the higher rated nose tackles over the last three to five years. And what guys that play the nose do, 
opens up so much for other players and for a defensive coordinator and for what kind of coverages you can run from what safety alignments. So I think that ultimately Jordan Davis, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough position to go out and say, you know, this guy, you know, drafting a nose tackle. Oh, well, they're not going to get sacks or something like that. But ultimately defensive coordinators love having dominant nose tackles. There's a reason for it. So not to get too deep into it, but Jordan Davis is going to affect your football team and affect opposing football teams exactly the way that you want. And what he can do opens up a lot for others, ultimately. More on the Bulldogs coming up in just a few short minutes. That's a promise. There's plenty of prospects on Kirby's team. My God. All right, the fifth and final prospect for Jake's list before we open it up to Spencer. Jeremiah Moon, Florida Gators edge rusher and inside linebacker from what I I wanted to hear about what you have on this, Jake, because it seemed like he made somewhat of a switch in the early part of this past season around September or so. But 6'2", 245-pound senior from Hoover, Alabama. This tapes courtesy of uh, Jim Nagy, who I know you guys both uh, utilize on, on, online, deservingly so. I had two different highlights. I had to pick. I mean, the guy's a, a human highlight reel, but here's what I have for you, Jake, and you can talk over this one. Yeah, and kind of you mentioned uh, his position switching there, and sort of the first note that I wrote about him when I started watching him was jack-of-all-trades, master of none. And so, like, that can have a little bit of a, a negative connotation. It connotes a guy who might be a little bit of a project, but length and explosiveness, I like it a lot. I like the good first step. Uh, and, you know, he has the ability to finish plays, which I think, think is important. He's been referred to as a uh, gap shooter. And, uh, again, that kind of connotes like a straight-line player, straight-line explosiveness and finishing ability. So I think he's a guy who projects as somebody who could eventually step in and, you know, play some snaps on a defense. But what I like about him is I, you know, to that point about versatility, I think he could find a way to a field thanks to it, but also because I think he's going to be – a hard worker he's going to find his way onto a special teams unit pretty quickly and he's going to be able to make some plays on it so i think with the right attitude and coaching and with willingness to play on special teams i.e baltimore ravens sounds like a good fit he's a guy that i'm just uh, very intrigued by as a potential day three kind of pick there as somebody that they could eventually maybe mold into a little bit of a chess piece for this mike mcdonald defense spenny you agree with this for mr yuri it's a tough one. I think that they can do a couple different things. There's a lot of guys at the top of this gra gra draft that can give you a different flavor. Uh, to me, Booth is going to be a little bit more versatile, ultimately, is going to be more physical in the open field tackling game and things like that. Uh, his ball skills are pretty ridiculous. But Gardner just – we'll get into Gardner in a second, but Gardner just has a skill set that is really hard to find. And because of that, I think he's a little more tantalizing, mixed with how much – Offensive coordinators feared him. All right, keep the questions coming. Love it. Let's transition from Jake's top five prospects here. And again, this is not in any order. This is just guys that you've been watching film on, could potentially land to 14, could slip back to, to later rounds, later days. Let's open it up to Spencer's. Jermaine Johnson, the aforementioned Jermaine Johnson, number 11, Florida State defensive end, 6'5", 262, built like a man. 2021 ACC Defensive Player of the Year honors went his way. He transferred after two years at Georgia. And this tape is by Ben Fennell. And I believe you can talk over this, Spence. Yeah, you can see it right there. The edge setting is ridiculous. I would go as far as to say that um, if you want to throw a little bit of a T-sizzle comp for what he can do as an edge setter, I'm not going to look at you crazy. He can absolutely dominate with length on the edge. His hands shock. His hands devastate. 
He also ran a four five and bench 300 pounds at 15 years old. So I'm really excited to see what he's going to do this week at the combine, but he has the get off. He has the intangibles. You can tell he is a film guy and just plays with natural leverage, natural power throughout his frame. But for how devastating he is with his hands, he's not, I wouldn't say he's the bendiest guy in the world, but he can dip and rip a little bit with speed. He has wicked inside and outside spin moves. He can, he can uh, push and pull really easily. You're just going to see him win with length time and time again. He has prodigious length over 34 inch arms, six, four supposed to be around 260, 265. And again, if he's going to run a four five jump through the roof, do everything he's supposed to do. Uh, this is a guy that in a loaded class of edge rushers really separated himself at the senior bowl to the point where he didn't need to practice in my opinion, even on day two, he ends up not practicing on day three or participating, but was just head and shoulders above the rest of the guys there. I think he was the number one winner in mobile and to be able to win with speed, number one, to be able to win with strength through a guy and then to be able to win inside, having that three way go is going to psychologically set up pass blockers throughout a game. Oh, and by the way, he's devastating against the run. So when you can give yourself a three way go and be a true plus player in probably on day one as an NFL defender, 14 is not an unrealistic spot at all for Jermaine Johnson to go. You see guys like Daniel Jeremiah having him creep up super high on their draft boards and in their mock drafts. And I think that's only going to continue throughout the rest of draft season. Speaking of Daniel Jeremiah, I believe he called Trevor Penning a Raven built to be a Raven. I think that was last week. Jake, what do you think? What do you make of this proposition from Alex? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think um, I don't think you're crazy for thinking that at all. What I think is going to happen though is that Falele is going to really cement his stock with the combine coming up here, which is sort of a a little piece we'll kind of forget about a little bit at uh, this time of the year. Um, right now, as we speak, Falele, based on his game tape, is drawing some Orlando Brown comparisons. Well, you know what I don't think Falele is going to do is go and stink up the combine. I think he's going to do pretty well. And that's, I think that's going to help his stock. And Orlando Brown probably would have been a first-round pick if he had not done so poorly at the combine. He goes in the third round, becomes a, a Pro Bowl-type player anyway. I don't think teams are going to make that same mistake again. But if presented with that option, I might actually agree with you because I like Penning a lot. I like Jeremiah's point about him being a Raven. He's nasty. He plays through the whistle, maybe a little too much sometimes. Uh, he's, he's a fun player to watch. And uh, I don't know, man, like I like him, but I Falele is kind of another crush of mine. I know you already hit on him with Cole, but he's another guy that I watched early in this process and just thought alien. You know, that guy is uh, he's another who, to DJ's point, I, I see Falele could be in that, you know, he's a Raven type sort of conversation. So I I like both of them. You know, if you gave me Falele in the second over Penning in the first, I'd probably take it personally. But we're going to see what happens as far as their draft stock goes in the coming months. I used to hate playing with guys that took drills as serious as the Super Bowl, like he seems to. I mean, I'm specifically talking about the basketball, right? The guys that the extra elbows here and there just they grind your gears. And you can tell the guys that he goes up against in these videos and he's <laughs> circulating the internet that he drives them nuts. It's so, funny because yeah. you root for Rudy in the movie, but then when you actually go <laughs> up against that guy in practice, it's like, okay, try hard, calm down. Honestly, honestly. All right, keep the questions coming, those of you out there. Great live audience tonight. Thanks for being with us. Again, I got the Baltimore Beatdown guys with me, Jake Luke and Spencer Schultz. We're getting to your questions. We're getting to your concerns, your thoughts, your opinions. But we also are addressing 10 prospects, different than we did last week with Cole Jackson. So if you haven't checked that out, hit that up in the, uh, in the archive section. And check these guys out as well, Baltimore Beatdown, if you're not already subscribed on YouTube. All right, Spence, let's keep going. 
George Karloftis. Am I pronouncing that one right? You hit it on the head. You're nailing it, Bobby. All right. Thank God. I'm a broadcaster. I better. Purdue Boilermaker, defensive end, 6'4", 275-pound junior. Another native of Greece. He actually played for the Greek national team in water polo, I read before this. This tape is by Matt Alkir. You can also uh, talk over this one, Spenny. Yeah, so Karloftis, like you mentioned, uh, like a 12-sport athlete. You talk about guys being three, four-sport athletes, played water polo, was a prolific track and field athlete, basketball, soccer, rugby, football, um, everything in between. So you can kind of see the the mindset of an athlete that is so well-balanced. He's very rarely out of place. He also has a really thick lower trunk. His hammy's gigantic, and you see the explosiveness that he possesses in his lower body, but also his arms aren't, you know, he's not this jack stiff guy up top at the same time. He has really quick hands, a guy who loves to talk about how he uh, trains MMA hand fighting. He's what I like to call black belt certified as a pass rusher. He can wipe, he can swipe, he can rip, he can dip. He can do everything you want. He has really advanced hands. He's only 20 years old right now too, um, which is another discussion we could get into at another time. But uh, being polished at that age is really important. Uh, versatility, you can slide him inside. I can't wait to see what he's supposed to or what he does ultimately weigh in at and what his measurements are. But, um, you know, he's not the guy who's going to be able to to really bend at the hips and sink and, you know, beat guys with speed and ghost moves and things like that, ultimately. But uh, he's going to be able to win with strength. He's going to be able to fill inside and out quick, you know, guards. He's going to be able to out heavy tackles, so to speak. So um, he he really hits with authority as well when he gets to a quarterback. He makes them pay. But I think my favorite thing about him, he just doesn't rush past the quarterback. He keeps the quarterback in the pocket and works to them methodically, but with urgency at the same time. A lot of late pressures because he just slowly closes in on you. He's like quicksand, just shrinking and shrinking, and then he's there. Um, And if he gets a free hit on you, he's going to devastate you. I think he is uh, right around a borderline plus run defender. I I do think he might be a little overhyped as a run defender, but – um, he's, he's going to be fine there ultimately. So, uh, he's, he, 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 he never came off the field. I think he played like 93% of snaps as an edge defender. I think the most in the NFL was TJ Watt at 91 last year and college football has like 20 more plays per game than the NFL does. So, um, he's, he's a maniac man and he might not be the bendiest, loosest guy, but he's going to get the job done. People throw the Ryan Kerrigan comp around a lot, uh, because they both played at Purdue but I, I see just a really uniqueness to him from the, the Grecian that can do it all, man. He's, he's really exciting. How about this that came in during that response from you, Spenny? Matthew writes, honestly, the Baltimore beatdown crew is more handsome than I thought. What's your dream grade up and, and trade down and for whom? Jake, I'll let you take this one, but you can address the first part of that one if you'd like first. Yeah, I can't tell Often we get that. I feel like we get that way too much. Maybe it says something about our voices. Maybe we've got a uh, a face for radio, voice for whatever the the saying is. But uh, yeah, I mean, I thanks, man. Uh, As far as your scenario trade, dream trade up, man, I might say Kyle Hamilton. I think he's probably going to go just a little bit out of their range. And I think if they move up and go and get a guy like that, uh, like I said, I think they're locking down a position that's been a bugaboo for them for a decade plus. So that would be a guy that I would like to see them potentially for uh, a couple offensive line options to Iki Aquanu, uh, Charles Cross, maybe. Uh, but 
as far as trading down, I might be looking at offensive line as well. I think a Penning, a Falele, a Kenyon Green, if you could trade back a little bit or to the end of the first round, get one of those guys, I would like that a lot. So I think as far as be realistic, I think those are probably the options I would say are realistic and uh, that I would like a lot. <laughs> How quick did you screenshot that down there, huh? I'm quick, man. <laughs> I, I, you might be fast, but I'm quick. <laughs> Spenny, do you want to do you have anything on that or should we get to the next prospect? Uh, I mean, I'm just a big fan generally of, and the Ravens, perhaps the best draft, second best draft, I should say they've ever had was trading down and trading up. It's really tough to speculate trades. It it takes two to tango. We haven't made it to free agency, so we don't know what their needs are yet necessarily and who will ultimately get signed. But uh, I think when you do, I think teams overvalue first round picks just a hair. So if you can trade back, get enough capital. So you're, let's say the Ravens end up picking at 22 or 20 able to snag a Jermaine Johnson or someone like that who kind of trickles through and falls through, uh, then can trade up from 45 and go get another guy who's kind of fallen through. They ended up drafting at 27 and 29 last year, or 27 and 31 last year, whatever it was, um, two back of the first round picks to get, go get two guys that look like they belong. So I like that idea a lot. It's a little more complicated and I guess takes kind of three, four to tango in that case more so, but uh, I like just maneuverability in general and I like value. So if somebody wants to come get a quarterback or come get a player and you think you're going to be in a good spot, three, four picks later, then, Hey, go do it. Keep the questions coming. Great stuff. Garnett. We'll get to you. I see you tuning in Garnett West, the king of the Twitter space. We'll get to you. In just one of our, uh, I got to shout him out. He is literally one of our OG fans. Like we've been doing this for over two years at this point. He's been there like since day one. So That's he's our, our boy. Guy. Garnett's our boy. Yeah, he's a, he's a great dude. Uh, obviously, I'm, has anyone met him in person? I have not, but he seems. I feel like I have. So He doesn't live in Maryland, unfortunately, but hopefully one day. Awesome. All right. Spenny, let's keep your list going here. And, and this is probably the biggest buzzword, right? Sauce. Let's get to him. Ahmad Gardner, the Cincinnati cornerback that has the internet ablaze. 6'3", 200-pound junior, 2021 consensus All-American. This is a tape by Anthony Treese, the lead college analyst at PFF. Some of you might be familiar with him, but uh, he's, he's special. Brooks, oh, and he's hitting the backfield by guess who? That ain't it. Hold on a second. You can talk right over this, Benny. There we go. We got we got the Sunday sauce. I think that if he's there at 14, knowing the Ravens type, it's like, you know, your one friend who always likes redheads no matter what. Sauce is going to be that red sauce, that redhead. The Ravens are not going to be able to resist if he's there. And I honestly had a tough time with his evaluation. Uh, he's He's been a, a really hyped up prospect for a long time. And because he has that prototypical or that prodigious length, I should say, taller, longer, more physical press corner, you know, kind of gives you like a hybrid of Jimmy Smith and Marcus Peters in a way. Uh, you know, he's been linked to the Ravens for a long time. But when you hop on the film, no one throws at him. So it's always kind of tough with corners when they're not getting a ton of action to be able to tell about their ball skills or be able to tell about a couple defining moments, you know, how they can play through the catch point and some things of that nature. But I think the thing that speaks volumes the most is it doesn't matter if they're playing Alabama, doesn't matter if they're playing USF. No one threw at him. Quarterbacks don't look at him. I think he was targeted like 77 times over the last two years as like a true sophomore and junior. Um, when you go look at a booth who I am really, really high on as well, but you know, gets targeted 50 times in a season, you know, people are not as afraid to throw at him and that just speaks volumes. Then you go look at guys like maybe an Eric Crocker, who I'd recommend following on Twitter, who, uh, have more, you know, 
hand to mouth physical, you know, DB prowess than I do. And you start looking at the way his hands align with his hips when he's in press jam. Um, he's really, really technically sound in terms of being able to maneuver guys to the sideline if he wants to, or able to force them inside into traffic if you want to. They don't get more physical than him. And again, you know, the fact that you can line him up in someone's, you know, COVID range within that six feet, let alone six inches uh, in, in the bad range there and leave him there as much as they did. And no one could take advantage of him ultimately speaks volumes. Um, I don't know if he's going to be as great of a tester as a guy like Booth or a guy like Stingley, but at six foot three ish, the, the kind of just tenacity that he brings to a press jam, not even just presses is really fun to watch. And I think he's a guy that you pair with a Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters and, you just thrive ultimately from there. I think the Ravens are not going to be able to help themselves if he does make it to 14. Jake, any questions that are coming in compelling to you enough to, to bring it up? Have you seen any of these that are coming in? Uh, we, we are kind of getting a lot on prospects that I haven't totally watched. Like I'm seeing a lot on the DeMarvin Leal, Trent McDuffie. I'm seeing uh, John writing down there. He's hearing buzz. Um, but yeah, it just seems like everyone's super plugged in. I personally need to sit down and watch some more guys because like I've been going by i've gotten a lot through edge a lot through corner a lot through offensive line which is like great for the ravens needs but uh you mentioned our podcast we're going to be doing um a series that we started last year where we go through every position group so that's kind of why i chose to do it that way so uh i think i need to uh, start hitting the books on like d-line and some of these other positions that everyone else is watching but uh yeah all good we'll get to plenty more questions coming in as well i'll scroll back up in a little bit want to continue with spencer's list number four Jalen Petrie, the Baylor safety, six feet tall, 197 pounds, a senior. He was named a finalist for the 2021 Jim Thorpe Award. He was also named a consensus first-team All-American. Here's some of his stuff, Benny. Brooks, oh, and he's hit in the backfield by guess who? Jalen Petrie. A loss of one. Love watching this guy play. He is the standard at Baylor. Here he's coming in. He's coming in kind of from this side of your screen. Here's number eight, and he just gets himself right into that hole, and Kennedy Brooks cannot get away from him. Now, he didn't tackle great last week, Petrie, but that was an excellent tackle. Of Man, the first thing that comes to mind with Jalen Petrie, he just plays like a jungle cat. You see him able to just attack the ankles, attack the knees, and he hits you before you know he's coming. You can see the football intelligence there time in and time out. I do think there's a little of a bit of a misconception. He's listed as a safety at times. And a lot of, you know, analysts will go say he played safety or had some deep. He I think he played 14 snaps as a safety in either split or single high last year. And um, just doesn't have experience there. He's also a little undersized for a safety, but man, you know, he didn't quite have the impact to the, you know, uh, Herculean level that Tyron Matthew did at LSU. But I go look at a guy like Elijah Molden that came out of Washington last year as a slot plus, uh, played a little bit more safety. And I think Petrie lands somewhere between those two guys. And Molden had a pretty darn good rookie year for the Titans, uh, helping them get that one seed, playing some pretty significant snaps. So Molden just football intelligence over and over again. He is a, a predator. He's an apex predator defensively. He baits quarterbacks. He reads their eyes. He can change direction. He makes plays against the run. He has great block deconstruction. He can, you know, go set an edge at times against tackles while he's about 200 pounds. So he's a little bit of a tweener and some things of that nature. I think you could see him fall, but you're getting an impact defender. He's a touchdown maker. He's a guy who's going to get sacks. He's a guy who's going to turn the football over. He's a guy who's going to make stops and get you off the football field. 
Um, so it's, it's tough, you know, Tavon young, we love him to death. I think he's uh, he epitomizes what a Raven is in so many ways, but you see a little bit of kind of younger Tavon young in him. So uh, Petrie to me is someone that I've been watching since early 2020, that every time you watch a Baylor game, he stands out head and above everyone else, no matter who you're watching, no matter what quarter it is, no matter what down it is, Petrie makes plays. He did it in mobile and he did it consistently at Baylor. He's a force to be reckoned with. Jake Spenny mentioned the honey badger there, and that's, generated a lot of buzz uh, on the internet deservingly so because he is going to hit free agency in a couple of weeks you think he'd be a good fit in baltimore i certainly do i think he's the guy alongside marcus williams coming out of new orleans that will be who you look at if you're looking to make investment particularly at safety which like position that you really need to lock down you really need to get a big name a playmaker a uh, splash player at because all due respect to deshaun elliott some of these guys that they've been putting in position there and some of these more kind of short-term additions like Eric Weddle several years ago, it just hasn't worked out. You haven't found the long-term guy who is not only going to be there for a while, but is going to be there making plays and making an impact uh, as far as turnovers go for a while. So he'd be a guy who uh, would be that person for them. And funny enough, we were talking about this on the podcast recently. The chiefs were going to sign Earl Thomas. They had lined up the deal. Everything was done. Ravens swoop in at the last minute and they sign him and they're looked at as the big winners in that deal. And if not for some off the field antics, I think they still might've been seen as winners in that. But uh, we all know the, the sad story that unfolded there and uh, the chiefs wind up with, uh, you know, honey badger is sort of what was looked at maybe as a little bit of a uh, kind of consolation signing. And he had a great couple of years in Kansas city. He's hitting the market again. He's going to be getting like a third or fourth big contract and he's still in his early thirties. You know, there's some injury concerns maybe, but uh I think as far as attitude goes, as far as interest that he's actually shown in coming to Baltimore over the years, I don't know um, how close you guys have been tracking this, but he's had comments about how much he kind of likes the culture and how he sees himself potentially fitting in. So he's a guy who's uh, at the top of my list if I'm EDC, but uh, we'll see what happens. Spenny, let me get you in here quickly before we get to your final prospect uh, to, to share a thought on this because Brandon Stevens came on late. We all know that. They needed him to come on late because, let's be honest, that there was, he was the next man up. Who would have thought he'd be starting down the stretch of the season in, in September? But he was, and he answered the bell. An SMU product who not too long ago was a running back. What do you think about Adit's question? I think it's a great question and brings relevance from the Ravens to a unique situation. So I do think Adit had an awesome question ultimately, but it's tough. I mean, overall, the philosophy of drafting high-level athletes with outstanding work ethic that look good wherever they play is probably going to be good for your business. And if you end up with a really great special teamer out of it, you know, you're not miserable and that guy's going to work hard enough to get on the field. Anderson looks pretty natural in his shuffle tech working laterally to go chase down running backs. He's been able to do some nice things in coverage. He brings, you know, the quarterback intangibles to playing defensively. And I think overall, you know, it it makes you more confident, but it feels like you kind of can only, you know, uh, get struck by lightning so many times in the same vein. Uh, there's a lot of guys that do it, and it's it's a lot harder said than done ultimately, which is why I think Brandon Stevens, the journey that he's been on the last couple of years is talked about a lot, and I think it's cherished, but I don't think it can even be fully be conceptualized how crazy it is. He didn't even really play safety at SMU. I think he had 100 total snaps in safety alignments. He was playing corner. And for him to go do what he did to be able to open his hips and start being able to read from the roof and go close some throwing windows 20 plus yards downfield is really crazy. So it definitely gives you confidence. But at the same time, 
Brandon Stevens doesn't come around often and truly is an elite, spectacular athlete, a four-star running back. That means the dude is a fantastic athlete. I know running backs catch a lot of flack, but ultimately probably the most athlete, some of the most athletic dudes on the planet. If you look at like NFL or high level college running backs, what they're able to do from a strength size, size, quickness, you know, hand-eye coordination, being able to block, being able to play special teams, all those things is really rare. I'm thinking about one specific play down the stretch. I think it was against the Rams, against Tyler Higby, where he just came out of nowhere to drop a dude who was, what, a foot taller than him probably, realistically, and it was right at the line of scrimmage. It was bang, bang. He showed vision, discipline, toughness. I thought to myself, man, he has taken a big leap, and they needed him to. And, and obviously that was caught lost in the shuffle of the insanity that was the last month of the season. But I think that bodes well, depending on the future of – let's see what happens with Marcus. Let's, let's, let's see if Marlon can come back from his injury 100%. You hope so. You just never know. All right, Spenny, your final prospect of the evening, and then we'll get to some questions. So if you've been saving some questions, now is the time to hit us in the comments section, and we'll get to it right after this. Leo Chanel, the Wisconsin linebacker, 6'2", 261-pound junior. He was named the uh, Buckus Fitzgerald Linebacker of the Year and a first-team All-Big Ten honoree last fall as well. This tape is courtesy of uh, I'm With the Band. And, uh, Spenny, you can, t- you can talk over this one. bring the dj in this bitch you wanted him to you wanted him to outspit that guy i don't know how, how that <laughs> dylan 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 and dylan <laughs> what do you like about this guy everything man um jordan davis a polarizing athlete in ways for positional value and what he does in the position he plays i think that chanel is the same way um not a guy that was asked in jim lettered scheme to be in man coverage or you know more than five seven yards deep in his drops but man, oh man, you want to see a, a guy that has gotten a lot of hype to Baltimore, Tyler Lindenbaum, uh, get exposed a little bit. They line Chanel up in the A-gap, and Linderbaum could not stop him. He is one of the most ferocious blitzers uh, that I, I can remember. Uh, I think that he kind of has this Micah Parsons to him in ways. Well, he's not as fast or as, you know, overall exceptional. The short area quickness, the explosion, the kind of mental fortitude, the relentlessness, uh, the hand technique, the block deconstruction, the just raw strength that he brings is scintillating to watch. And I think that he's going to immediately bring that to an NFL room, has transferable skills. You see the intangibles, you see the IQ, you see the timing, the way he's able to work with Jack Sanborn, another draftable linebacker, I think would be a good fit for the Ravens. Um, the way they're able to time things, time their blitzes, disguise things, you know, not not be leaning black back too much when they're bluffing a, a blitz. They're really selling that downhill blitz and then closing a throwing window. I think he is underrated for what he can do in space a little bit, but He's not going to be Fred Warner. He's not going to be anything close. Um, he's not going to be able to go line up in man coverage and, and cover shifty running backs and things like that. So he is limited. Um, so the question is, where does he fall to? I don't know if second round gets it done for the Ravens, but uh, I think you're drafting a leader. I think you're drafting someone that brings a lot of similar traits to a Demario Davis, 
who just got better and better throughout his time in the NFL. Um, prolific blitzer and figured it out because of how hard he worked in pass coverage to close throwing windows and be someone you don't can't take off the field there. So Chanel to me is just a, a brick wall man ultimately that is going to to make your defense better, make your special teams better, and he's going to do so emphatically very early on. Uh, he, he's really fun to watch, and I think he's going to be an impact player. Final submission of the night. We'll end with this. And while we dive into this last question, let us know in the comments section what you thought of tonight, how we could have been better, what you want to see next week, and more. most importantly, if you want these guys to come back. Because I think, you know, we, we got to evaluate that as well. Rudo writes in, who's the best pass-catching tight end in this year's draft? And I'll expand this to say, let's assume that there's not a reuniting with Hayden Hurst that happens this offseason, right? So specifically, how do you answer this question? And two, where do you think the Ravens could address it? Because Eric DaCosta made it very clear. They will address it one way or another, either in the coming months or um, in free agency. Yeah, for me, uh, Greg Dulcich is is definitely up there. He's a guy that uh, is a former wide receiver, redshirt junior, 6'3", 245. Um, kind of reminds you of a Hayden Hurst a little bit. He he is getting it done in the run game, but has a lot of improvement to make there. He's still a little bit light in the pants, ultimately. Uh, but I do think as a receiver, he might be the cream of the crop. It's going to be interesting to see how this class plays out. Overall, best tight end to me, I think, might be Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State. It's a big boy. You can stick him in line. Kind of gives you some Pat Fryermuth vibes a little bit um, as well. So, And finally, Trey McBride, who is a little undersized, is a better blocker than a Dulcich, uh, is going to be a, a soft hands, nuanced route runner. Um, I'll allow Dennis Pitta maybe a little bit. You know, Not a guy that's going to burn you or uh, be quite as physical as a Mark Andrews or anything like that, but knows how to get it done, is a late winner in the pass game, and really is a technician that puts guys on their backside in the run game despite not being the biggest dude in the room. Um, there's a little bit of a difference between coming from a Colorado State, no disrespect to Kyle Barber, but coming from a Colorado State weight room versus like Alabama's weight room. You know, guys thought that a Devontae Smith is going to put weight on. If you can't put weight on at Alabama, I don't know what to tell you, but Colorado State might be a little bit different. So maybe he's got some more room to grow and fill out and mature physically, but McBride's a really interesting option as well. And then finally, Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. Um, I would say is just not quite as smooth or maybe a little as sudden as a, a Ruckert, but does a lot of similar things. And I think uh, there's a lot of different flavors of tight end in this class, similar to DB, where you're going to be able to find some guys that are going to make an impact and be good players for you. Final thought from you, Jake Luke. Yeah, I think uh, Ruckert is really the only guy that I've watched of TV copying. You took kind of the Friar Muth comparison right out of my mouth, just sort of that straight line guy who's just going to be a reliable option, vertical threat in the passing game there. So I like him a lot. And uh, people have kind of made the the tight end is a sneaky need point uh, sort of all over the Twitterverse there talking about that potential Hayden Hurst reunion. So uh, it's something that I'd like to see happen. We just saw um, the Panthers make a move to uh, – lock up Ian Thomas. So that might've set the market at uh, a little bit of a, a tougher spot for them to sign a, a middle tier guy like Hearst to an affordable deal. So maybe you do look at the uh, sort of the, you know, late day two, day three type options to, uh, you know, maybe uh, Hoover up a guy like that and have him, uh, you know, develop into something, uh, something for you and the potential absence or loss of Nick Boyle, whenever that's going to happen. So. This is fun guys. I appreciate you dropping by. I know this will be, downloaded and up on your channel within the next 24 hours so if you if you haven't if you're not familiar with these guys which i'm i would be surprised if you aren't go hit them up on twitter go hit them up on youtube at baltimore beatdown jake can be found on twitter 
at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. And Spencer, of course, the hub at Ravens for Dummies is, is, is how you can find these guys. So, hey, let's do it again in the coming months. I'm looking forward to it. March is, is officially here in a couple hours, and let's, let's reunite soon. Yeah, best time of year, man. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, hopping back on here. I always tell you, you're great at this. So uh, it's always always great, always a pleasure to uh, to sit down with you and talk. Bye-bye. Thanks for having us on, my guy. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. Baltimore Beatdown Big Board. If you're looking for that thirsty yeah. draft coverage as you get closer, check out our show as well. You can find us anywhere. You can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. We're going to be breaking it down position by position, starting after the combine and getting that draft talk doing. We got some purple lenses on, but we're going to talk where we think guys would fit otherwise. You know, a guy that might not fit with the Ravens, where would they fit? Things like that. So chopping it up. If you're thirsty for draft coverage, we're going to be bringing it right after the combine. We appreciate you so much, Bobby. Thanks for having us. And this was a blast, man. You heard the boys. We out.